waste is expensive. And as you just said, it's inefficient and yeah. extremely problematic now more than ever for companies. I mean, this eats up up to 15% or more of their bottom line in one year. So for them to keep making it is not the best way to do business. And I think that's what we need to do more through your platform to educate people. Okay, so welcome, Stephanie. So amazing to finally meet you and uh, what an honor and thank you so much for joining. I know you're a total rock star and uh, yeah, thank you're you. You're too kind. So the feeling is beautiful. <laughs> thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> Thanks. So um, you uh, you run, I, I actually, when I first heard about you, I thought this was your, your nickname was Queen Abroad, but that's actually your business. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tell us a little bit about it. <laughs> well, well, we, you know, it was the first name we ever thought of, and hopefully it's sticky and memorable. But no, it is the full company and a full team, um, although we all hopefully feel a part of it and can power everyone to feel like kings and queens of, of their domains and to go change the world. <laughs> um, so we started Queen of Raw as kind of a global marketplace, a platform where anyone from a student, maker, crafter, or quilter, Biggest brands and retailers in the world could buy and sell their unused textile waste. Keep that fabric out of landfill, right? And turn what would be pollution into profit. Um, but like any business, we've grown. And so we now have, and we could chat more about full enterprise software in the cloud, just kind of plug and play solution for businesses to do this automated at scale and globally. So yeah, together believing that with the power of fashion, textiles, cross industries around the world, we all can change it. So I, I probably should have uh, prefaced that by saying that <laughs> the reason why we're chatting is uh, we, we recently launched a, a circular economy course um, with Parsons School of Design in New York. And Stephanie, you're one of the, the big proponent of, of the circular economy and obviously the work that you're doing is incredible um, and you're, you're I think uh, I remember seeing, I don't know whether this is right. Uh, I was reading something somewhere. It said that you had saved 120 million or billion dollars of wasted materials. I think it was like. So the global, global textile waste problem is a $288 billion a year and right. growing problem. Right. And in terms of what we have saved, we've saved to date over a billion gallons of water around the world, which is enough clean water for 1.4 million people to drink for three wow. years. And we're just getting started. So, wow. um, you know, if we can do that while saving our customers millions of dollars a year in the process, um, that, that to us is a win-win-win for people, planet, and profit. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. And because you've been in, your family's been in this business and the textiles business for a long time, right? Yeah, no, it, 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 for over 100 years, um, and I was very fortunate to grow up right next door to my great grandfather. He lived to wow. a beautiful age of 105. And I'd hear wow. the stories of the old school ways of doing business. He came over on a ship in 1896. He came from Austria, landed at Ellis Island and settled into the Lower East Side of New York, which was the original Jewish garment district. And yeah, he had to make a living for his family as an immigrant, you know, chasing the American dream. He came with nothing. And it's funny because when you're talking about circular economy and why this matters, I, I really use his stories of the way of doing business as a model for what we're doing just globally and with technology, right? He would find materials and supplies nearby to him, old fabrics, old furs that immigrants had brought over on the ships, but they weren't using anymore. 
and he would repurpose them by hand with minimal waste and minimal toxins because his bottom dollar depended on it. And he sold the most beautiful fashion garments to local customers. A lot of his coats and jackets I still wear today, 100 plus years later. And it was an incredibly profitable, successful business. But he didn't talk about it as sustainability, right? But at the end of the day, that's very much what it was. And that is kind of what I've used as the spirit and the ethos behind our business and how we can really build for the circular economy in a way that makes sense, as we said, for people, planet, and profit. So he's an inspiration. Oh, that's such a lovely story. And it it always strikes me as very funny is when when we started learning about the circular economy, a lot of the, the things that we're doing now are actually nothing new. They're things that used to be done way back in the time. And and then for some odd reason, we we forgot about it and, and, and decided to just you know, live with excess, but yeah. So. And I think that's some of the most interesting, right? Business opportunities and, and looking at history and, and realizing what that can do for the future, the good of it and why things worked a certain way. And obviously the world has gotten much more complicated since my great grandfather's day, right? I mean, hundreds, yeah. of, you know, hundreds of steps across the supply chain, metric tons yeah. of water, chemical crops and oil used in the process. But there is such a beauty in that simplicity and in those learnings and um, yeah I'm excited by how that can inspire this movement towards circular economy and the other thing I think is really interesting about the fact that you called this course which I thought was so smart circular economy as opposed to sustainability or or, or, you know or eco-friendly because the second word in circular economy is economy this and I think we forget so often that this is an economic principle this is about saving people money while also doing good for people and planet. And how do you say no to that, right? As a proposition. So um, yeah, good choice of words. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I think it's just, I mean, I was quite passionate about making it as well. So I think the, you're right. It's sort of any business today that that's doing anything, regardless of whether they're in fashion or, or whether they're a you know, Unilever or a consumer good or whatever it is that you're doing, whether you're making cars, I think, if you're not figuring out how to be much more efficient in that process, um, and and I think efficiency is is one with with the circular side of things, uh, then uh, it's only going to end up costing you more money. You'll hurt the planet a lot more. Plus, I think you know in the, in the news it's much more front and center now. We're, we're we're really seeing the effects that 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 our overconsumption is having. So. Yep. If any good seems- can come out of what's going on in the world right now, yeah. right, it's that we got to spend time with loved ones and we right. realize what matters, right, and our treatment of people and planet. But businesses are businesses, right? And yeah. they have stakeholders and customers and the world to answer to. And so I think you're exactly right is so many people when I started this business asked me, but aren't you just incentivizing people to make more waste? They have waste. Go sell it on Queen of Raw. Make some money. And I said, you know, what's interesting is what you just said, Chris, and I think 42 Courses and Parsons did an incredible job in putting this course together because it's about educating people. Waste is expensive. And as you just said, it's inefficient and extremely problematic now more than ever for companies. I mean, this eats up up to 15% or more of their bottom line in one year. So for them to keep making it is not the best way to do business. And I think that's what we need to do more through your platform to educate people about the solutions and how to do better going forward. So we not only survive the world today, but thrive tomorrow. 
Thanks, and it's super well said. I, uh, on a totally separate thing, you mentioned something a bit earlier that I've never quite understood, and I think it's because I'm I'm not in the industry, but I always hear about how um, cloth making consumes huge amounts of water. What's that about? I mean, I've heard about you know. I think in the course we mentioned that there are rivers in in China that are running blue from all of the the genes and things. But what's the water it, bit? Uh, no, it's fascinating and not not well known until maybe more and more uh, today. Um, textile production, by some accounts, although this can be a bit controversial, is the second biggest polluter in the world of clean water globally. I mean, the dyeing, the rinsing, the treatment of textiles, it consumes massive amounts of water to make textiles. And it also pollutes them with everything from the dyeing and the rinsing to microfiber plastics when we wash and, and at end of life of this stuff. So to put it into a context that maybe makes sense for all of us, one t-shirt takes an average 700 gallons of water to produce it and another 700 gallons of water to wash in its lifetime. That's enough clean water for two people to drink around the world for three years. And that's one t-shirt. Over 2 billion shirts are sold around the world every single year. So I don't like to harp too much on the scary statistics because obviously we want to talk about what we can do about it. But one that always resonated with me, according to WWF, if we continue at the current pace of textile production by 2025, Two thirds of the entire world's population will face shortages of fresh water and be exposed to hazardous chemicals from textile production alone. And I mentioned that because we're not talking about a hundred years from now. We're not talking about yeah. 50 years from now. We're literally talking about today and on our shores. But the final hope and inspiration I'd like to leave people with is, okay, if you flip that on its head, it also means that fashion, textiles, waste, this has the power to solve the world's water crisis if we rethink business models and innovations and in how we do things. And that, I think, is the more powerful message that how we can all be a part of something greater. That makes sort of sense. So how, with the platform that you started, is it, is it, was, it a, was it a sort of a direct response for things that you were seeing in your family company? Um, and then it just sort of grew from there? Yeah, I mean, I, I my family's no longer in the business, right. um, but I had been grown up around it and was very aware of this waste unused inventory problem. I didn't do the family route. I actually was on Wall Street as a corporate attorney, but I did end up specializing in fashion technology and sustainability. So I guess at the end of the day, we do get back to our roots, right? Who yeah. we are, the accent, you know, we are who we are. <laughs> Um, but I had a prior startup to Queen of Raw, and we invented a new leather alternative. And it really hit a note in the market when innovation in textiles and sustainability was just starting to get talked about. And I was really proud of the work we were doing, but we were still making something new. And I would go to all these factories and mills and brands and warehouses around the world, and I'd see all this perfectly good stuff just sitting there going to be burned or landfilled. And I said, well, this doesn't make any sense. Here they are trying to buy some new sustainable material from me, but they've all got, got all this perfectly good stuff. And this is just a supply demand mismatch. And how can we use technology to provide the bridge? And that was kind of the inspiration and the impetus behind uh, our beginnings. And the, and the evolution of, it's just started snowing. Uh, sorry, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Beauty of nature. Um, the, the, uh, Gosh, I don't know why. I just looked outside and then that massively distracted me, but I'll get back to it. <laughs> the, um, the thing I was going to say the is... Evolution. Uh, yes, 
the evolution of your company has been really interesting. So I remember when I was doing some research before this call, um, and I think you mentioned it earlier as well, you were saying that you're actually now using the blockchain, which, and, yes. and I think the blockchain has been amazing in, in helping people understand uh, exactly where materials are coming from uh, and, and, and all of that being a bit, bit clearer because a, a, a blockchain is essentially a ledger, right? It's just a... Exactly right. And, and, you know, a lot of people, just to be clear, I mean, we're not a blockchain technology right. company and we're not trying to invent a new blockchain. We're not in crypto. <laughs> but I think you're right for circularity, sustainability, supply chain. I do believe it has incredible, pow powerful opportunities. And we're just yeah. at the beginning. But people ask, like, why did you do this? Um, so when we started Queen of Raw, kind of, as I mentioned, it was as a marketplace right? Like a thread up, a real, real, a Poshmark, but for fabrics, nobody seemed to be paying attention to this raw material waste as opposed to just finished goods. And so we started this marketplace, but as you can imagine, we're selling things online in the digital space. And especially when it comes to B2B and raw materials, how did you know what this stuff was made of? How much actually sits? Where in the world it sits, right? And, and any testing or sustainability certifications ascribed to that product. We need to give our buyers and our community comfort. And blockchain was a great solution for that to exactly what you said, understanding the provenance, the track and trace and history of this good, the, you know, an ability to give people as a buyer or a recycler, whomever, whatever we're doing with that material confidence in what it is and, and in that, and it became very powerful. Um, we've actually taken it now a step farther where not only can we give you this track and trace record in history, but also now understanding the actual impact you have by keeping it in circulation, whether you're recycling it or reselling it and buying it. As a consumer, when you go to our platform, you can now see the water, the carbon emissions, the chemicals and the waste saved by the actions you take keeping it in circulation. And that's all on the blockchain too. And you have a record and a proof. And I think that's important for companies. It's important for consumers. We need to have information accessible at our fingertips. And it afforded us that great opportunity. Yeah, I think the transparency thing is, is, is gonna be key going forward 100%. And um, I mean, what are some of the, the, your favorite success stories that you've seen with the, with the business so far and some of the things that you've done? You know, at the end of the day, I've been proud and I, I, I was thrilled even, and I'll never forget the first sale we ever did on Queen of Raw. And it was literally for like $1.25 for one yard of the first few products I had. But that meant to me that we were doing something. We had just saved that amount of water and somebody actually was consuming and wanted what we had. And so that always, you know, resonated with me, even though a tiny success, the first success, you never forget. Yeah. Um, but obviously as we've grown, right, uh, to me, it was about, building up the demand and offering our marketplace to democratize access to these resources for the world. But I also that, you know, that's the bottom up and that's creating the demand and where millennials and Gen Z's are driving this circular movement because they care, they're acting with their dollars and they've got the purchasing power. But I think what's been really interesting to me even recently, I knew that was there, but to see the large enterprise Fortune 500, the biggest brands and retailers in the world who are adopting our solution and participating, to be able to do for them automated and at scale, the amount of impact we can have there, I mean, it grows exponentially. And we work with everyone from fast fashion to luxury haute couture. I believe that changing even just a small percent of the way they do business has a massive impact. So we do not um, you know, turn away because of any, any ethos. I wanna work with them because that to me, we're all part of the problem, but we're all a part of the solution. And so 
you know, I think seeing for them the, the amount of savings they've had environmentally and economically, one of our enterprise Fortune 500 customers actually saw three times the conversion rate in their online direct-to-consumer wow. business just by talking about the good work they're doing with dead stock. And those numbers don't lie, right? I mean, that is powerful. And I think it just shows that this is the future. You, are you allowed to name any names? Is it all? Yeah. You, you know, I mean, we are aligned publicly. We or we do obviously keep our, our co confidential what is important right. to our community. And I've been actually surprised for our buyers how little the name actually matters. They want what they want when they want it. And this right. is great. Um, but we are publicly aligned and you will see with H&M, with Cartier, with ThreadUp, right. with LVMH. So, you know, a lot of really powerful with Nike, a lot of great companies. Yeah, I'd imagine that those those are the ones that need it the most as well so uh, con congratulations i'm so glad to to hear that they're, they're doing those kind of things um i mean what have you found uh have been some of the you know choose, choose to answer this in one or as two separate things but what do you think have been some of the biggest barriers you've had to overcome to get people to really get into the sector economy and and, and on the flip side what have been some of the bigger drivers, the things where you're like, oh, that's actually really easy. I found this thing that works really well. Yeah. So when we first started, I mean, we first started my core team and I'm my CTO and co-founder and I started looking at this <laughs> issue in 2014, right? Wow. And we wow. didn't launch until 2018. We all had prior businesses and other work. And obviously the timing wasn't right. But we go around the fashion district to the brands and retailers talking to them about, you know, you've got this massive opportunity here. You're sitting on a gold mine. And, you know, we kind of get these pats on the back and we talk to the sustainability department and it was a nice to have, but it wasn't a have to have. Um, and I don't think they saw the economic opportunity truly understood it. And I think that's why platforms like what you are doing with Parsons and 42 courses on circular economy is so important because we do need to educate people about this because they just didn't know. It's not the traditional old school way of doing business, right? At least not for these big legacy yeah. companies. And so, you know, we'd sp I'd spent a lot of time educating and informing people. We found a few big companies early on who were brand champions, who got it and came on board right away. And that's when we knew there was something here. Well, obviously, fast forward to the pandemic, right? And this is top of mind for every C-suite. And this is not just about the corporate direct of social responsibility, although you're, they're your brand champions. We talk to the CEOs setting the corporate agenda, the CMOs doing the marketing and the storytelling, right? The CFOs who deal with this economic liability and waste on their books. And when you can touch all those C-suites, it becomes a real driver. And I think that's where the opportunity has only grown. Now that we have case studies that we can show how much bottom and top line is driven by adopting this, you know, that that's a while also getting a good story to tell, right, which every company yeah. wants for their consumer and consumers, that becomes the real value prop. And, you know, for us, like I said, in the beginning, the marketplace was great. It is a platform to keep this waste in circulation. But now that we have this dark data about what this waste is, what it's made of, who it comes from, how can we actually help our companies intelligently minimize this waste going forward, right? And that's what we do a lot with machine learning AI now because ultimately it's expensive, it's inefficient. We wanna help them do better going forward. And that's what our software does and our inventory management system, why we built it. Oh, wow. Uh, sounds, sounds super incredible. I love the way that you've managed to use technology to help make it all very efficient as well. Um, the, the, there's something else I was about to ask you. It was something you, you just mentioned a second ago. 
And again, I've managed to. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is why I don't do podcasts. I've become a really long flight. No, um, you have every right to be jet lagged. <laughs> it was. Um, it was something around. Gosh. I'll. Uh, you know what? I'll. I'll get to it in a minute. I'll remember. I'll remember. Um, I'll remember what it was, and then I'll, I'll come back and ask you. But. Yeah. Um, what did I have it? I had it for a second there. I don't know. Anyway, um, the other thing I was going to ask is uh, where where do you see the secular economy going in the next sort of five years? Oh, that was it. I remember what I was going to ask. <laughs> you deal with all of these amazing brands. How on earth, apart from the fact that you're amazing and marvellous and we've known each other for half an hour um, and I feel like I could talk to you all day, how on earth did you manage to get through to, to these companies? Was it just hassle and, and emailing and phone calling and, and going to events or like? Yeah, no, honestly, we, we knew that we had something there, um, even when we got those first no's and, you know, and, and those no's, fortunately, many of them have turned into yeses now. Brilliant. But if you truly believe as an entrepreneur in your idea, and you know, there is something that and an opportunity there, right? That's part of being an entrepreneur is you keep pushing and you find the early adopters. One thing I will tell people, though, a lot of times is early on, you feel like you have to go spend a fortune on PR and marketing and advertising to get out there. Well, to be honest, we haven't spent a penny yet in PR marketing or advertising. Um, and, and we've been fortunate to really have gotten out there quite a bit globally. And I think part of the reasons we were able to do that so well early on is, you know, we had a point of view. We got a website, queenofraw.com, up very quickly, even before I had this software and all these other tools available. We just got a website up, even when I didn't have that much product to sell. Um, but yeah. we had a point of view, and we started educating and informing people. We did podcasts. We did you know, interviews with people. We wrote articles. We used social media, of course, and um, went to trade shows and events to learn about what our community really wanted and needed. And once you do that and you start talking, uh, you know, out there about what you're doing and you actually have numbers, real data to back up what you're doing and the impact that you have, it just starts to resonate and hit. And that's really where now, you know, the first few now became obviously much more and you grow. And that's it. And, and to that point, too, of course, the solution will grow. We yeah. obviously still have queenofraw.com. And at our core, right, we do want to democratize access to these resources. But obviously, now we also have some very powerful supply chain management software and tools. And, you know, that's like any business growing with your customers' needs. I, I think um, I, I watched a clip from you um, before this, this interview. And if anyone's listening wants to see a, a masterclass on how to tell a story in under three minutes, uh, if you go onto YouTube and Google Stephanie's name, and then I think near the top will be a video I think that you did for MIT. Is that right? And yeah. it was a, a so it's it's a three minute under three minute video. I think it's like two minutes fifty eight seconds of Stephanie talking about what she does at, at, at Queen of Raw, and it is on fire. Like thank I, you. I, I I rarely hear anyone say things that concise and that clear. It's it's really inspirational. Well, that's very kind of you, but this is obviously, right, six to 10 years or a lifetime in the making of, of who we right. are and how we share that value prop. And it did not happen alone. Um, one of the hardest things, but the best things we ever did as a business was figure out how to get our pitch in under 60 seconds. Because it's one thing to have in half an hour, right, to talk to someone for 20 minutes or even 10 minutes. 
But if you can change someone's opinion and understand what you're doing and why you do it in 60 seconds, right? Um, I think that becomes powerful. And, and we actually, we did that. We had 67, 60 seconds to pitch Ashton Kutcher live on stage. And it was the hardest pitch I ever prepared for, but it was one of the single most valuable things I ever did. And funny enough, I mean, we did win the competition, which was incredible. And nice. to have Ashton Kutcher's backing and support, but also the words from that pitch, I, I still use them today, right? Like all those years later from when this was an idea and it still informs who we are and our mission and our vision. And so, yeah, it's been really, really valuable. And a funny little anecdote, um, obviously I'm a New Yorker and I was pushing my then two and a half year old son in the streets of New York and it's very loud. And I hear noise coming out of, of the stroller and I lean over and, and I'm trying to hear what he's saying. And all I hear is, are you naked right now? No, because you're using fabric. It's everywhere and it's polluting your water. He was doing my 60 second pitch, which on the one hand probably meant as a, maybe I was practicing a little too much as I was pushing the stroller. But on the other hand, that told me if this kid under three, my son can understand it, anyone can understand it. We can change the world. <laughs> That's so incredible. I think it's such a valuable lesson for, for people um, who are starting their own businesses even if they're not going to a pitch, just to try and do, as you say, see whether they can get their pitch to 60 seconds or less. And uh, yeah, what a wonderful piece of advice. And the Aston Kutcher thing is interesting. I, I, I've got a friend of mine's company is called Veldskin, which is a, a shoe company. Um, and and he, I know he's invested in that. But he seems to love investing in um, apparel companies and clothing things and sustainability yeah, yeah very, very kind of kind of core um to, to who he is and, and you know i think it's great because there are more and more celebrities coming on board too and obviously leonardo dicaprio is a great supporter of, of climate related issues but more yeah. and more now are coming to the table and i think that shows you know this is not just a trend or a fad this is something economically valuable that yeah. big celebrities as well as investors are investing in and putting their dollars behind because it, it is the future for sure a hundred percent i mean i think uh much like uh you, you have uh you know those mandatory courses on um on uh, on sort of you know anti-bribery and corruption i i think for so many companies learning about the circular economy should really be a, a core thing I, I honestly believe if they don't it's 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 going to bite them um, in the future. And more and more doing that, right? It is in yeah. education. Parsons has done an incredible job integrating it into design thinking and their educational. And, you know, part of the reason I was on that MIT stage, MIT actually um, in, has a competition called MIT Solve for climate issues. We were one of the winners. They gave us a grant, but then they actually came in and fully invested in our company on our wow. cap table and gave us a team of data scientists to work with us uh -huh. as an educational tool on how we measure impact. And so that, right, that's where all these different touch points and competitions and partnerships can really ac accelerate what you're doing, um, especially early on in a startup life when you're trying to be lean and mean and watch your spend, right? This is how you can really amplify and grow your solution. Yeah, and you're, because you're in a sort of grow up stage now, I guess. Uh, you, you've, you've, scale. <laughs> you've been doing, doing well, but where, where do you see, uh, I guess, where do you see your company and where do you see the circular economy sort of going in the next few years? Uh, you know, for my our company, I've always said fashion and textiles, it's just the beginning. I mean, textiles right. do touch everyone everywhere in the world every day, right? It's our clothing, but it's also the material on your chair, the inside of your car, the carpet under your feet right now, right? And so how can we, and we already are, sign deals in 
industries that touch textiles, automotive, aviation, computer electronics, consumer goods. But then looking at those industries, they also have valuable raw material and finished good waste. And how do we identify it, monetize it, minimize it? So that's really where we want to grow across raw material categories and industries and around the world. And for circular economy, I'm really excited when this does become this kind of global connected network where all these industries around the world can leverage and use each other's resources. I mean, it's circularity, but it also makes sense for their time, money and resources, right? Quick, easy access yeah. to discounted materials readily available away from an area impacted by disruption. So I think this is the future. Inevitably, we will have future periods of recession and you know pandemics and supply chain disruption. I think this is how we solve for that because it makes economic, but also people and planet sense. When the pandemic hit, did you, did you find that <laughs> you went through the reef or? At first, when the pandemic hit, everybody around me was saying, uh-oh, what's going to happen? Retail is dead. And I kind of scratched my head. I was like, you know what? Unless we're all going to go naked, we're going to consume fashion. Just yeah. how we consume it, where we buy it, what it's made of, you know, what we do with it at end of life. That's what's shifting and changing. And that is a huge opportunity. It is no joke that through the pandemic, right? Look at, I think, the latest McKinsey report of who dominated in value creation. Nike, LVMH, Kering, right? I mean, uh, H&M. And look at who our customers are. It's all aligned because they dominated in value creation because they realized this is an economic opportunity. So for us, the pandemic has been a huge boom. I honestly don't even know if we would have had the enterprise customer adoption that we have now, if not for the pandemic. Um, but I think that's true, right? For anybody out there who's thinking, is now the time to start my idea? Or, you know, if my business is suffering challenges, I think the one, you know now what your challenges are. It's kind of opened up the door on what the challenges are. Now, how do we turn those into opportunities? How do you solve for that? How do you partner with innovators like ours who are solving for this? And that creates value and opportunity for everyone. So I think this is kind of the best time to start new innovations. Um, I, and I think it told a lot about what the future is going to be. Future is going to be more supply chains that are on demand, local, custom, digital, and sustainable. And so how do we help build businesses to support that? And that's what we're doing. Oh, bravo. Uh, it's, it's so wonderful. I 100% agree with you. I think whenever there's a big shift happening, for entrepreneurs, that's often the best time to, to start something because people's mindsets are able to think that they're, they're given the space to think differently. Yes. Normally, if everything's the same, they just do the same old thing again and again and again. But when something like this happens, uh, you, you, you have to change some things. And even if it's not related to what you're pitching them, their mind is just more open to change because they've had to forcefully go through a lot of change. Yes. Uh, so I, I agree. Great, great time. I'd imagine a lot of companies are way more open to it now. Um, I've, uh, I've got a, a silly um, ending question for you, which we can sure. go into in a second, but was there anything else that you, uh, that, that you wanted to say or that, that you wanted to share? Um, any, uh, oh, you know, uh, uh, yeah. 
for anyone out there, I, I mean, this is something that's always resonated with me. Don't be afraid. <laughs> um, don't be afraid to get your idea out there to just start simple and at a beginning, whether it's with a website and a point of view and a couple pictures, right? I mean, that is how you start to build a community, learn from your customers what they want and iterate and improve your product. And I truly believe, right, that's how you can be the last player in, in a market and, and truly dominate while going and change the world. So happy to reach out to anyone, support you in your journey in any way, because we are all a part of the solution together. And and if people want to get in touch, is yep. it uh, the website and the, and the... Yeah, no, I'm very public. I mean, I, I'm known for, I give out my cell phone. It's 1203-981-6993, because I want to hear from people. Um, you can also reach me at Stephanie at queenofraw.com. I'm here for you. That's what I'm doing. So anything that we can learn from each other's support, please feel free to reach out. That's incredible. And so uh, to end on a, on, a, on a silly question that we always ask people, is, um, would you rather fight a hundred horse-sized ducks or a hundred duck-sized horses? Wow. That is what I haven't uh, come across. A uh, hundred <laughs> horse-sized ducks or a hundred duck-sized horses. Yeah, you can share your analysis with this as well. So you know, no that's right a very, and talk about educating. That's very interesting. And <laughs> I could probably say, I mean, the, I'm going to give you the lawyer answer, right? Oh, it depends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but to give you a, a better answer than going through all of it, my gut instinct would be a hundred duck size horses. Um, and, and I think that might be contrary to what people think because you think a horse has a lot of power, right? And that, um, it, but, it, it, but in a smaller size, um, but, but in mass, I actually think that's power and I wouldn't actually be fighting with them. I'd be learning from them and wanting to support them. And, uh, and right, so sorry, that, that is my gut mindset. Same reason I go after, right, large enterprise. I think that that's how we create change. And so um, let, let's turn that fight into working together to solve problems. <laughs> what a marvelous answer. <laughs> Thank you so, 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 so much for uh, oh, my pleasure. sharing Thank your you. time and your wisdom and uh, your energy you're absolutely incredible you're a great inspiration thank you very much and I wish you and your company huge success and I hope uh, your your uh, is it it's baby still baby not such now? a baby anymore and I have two but uh, they're why we do what we do we got to change the world for our kids and future and generations has, has the, the the second also just he or she also know your pitch? Yeah, and so Bye. he is two, just turned two. He came right, right days before the pandemic. So we're working on it with him. But the six-year-old yeah. now is an amazing partner and support. <laughs> That's for sure. He knows everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Uh, yeah. Congratulations and thank you thank so, you. so much again. Thank you.